Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies podcast. I wish we had a better podcast to talk about, better results, but uh, we do not have a better pod, better results to talk about. So I guess I'll just dive in with a, a quick recap of a very unsuccessful week for the Blackhawks. Uh, things started on Sunday in Winnipeg against the Jets, who the Blackhawks are basically directly behind for the uh, last playoff spot. They were three points back going into the game. And things started out very well in this game. Dominique Kubelik scored in the first minute of the game on a nice play behind the net by uh, Drake Kajula and Jonathan Taves. Puck went up front, and uh, Kubelik scored, and it was one nothing Blackhawks. And they would add to the lead later in the first period. A nice pass from Kane to Brendan Saad, and he tipped in a goal from right in front of the net. And it was 2 nothing Blackhawks. And you had to feel pretty good about the spot the Blackhawks were in at that point. But then the thing that might, I, you know, we look back on it, might be the downfall of the Blackhawks' entire season. Uh, their power play really let them down again. And um, the Blackhawks had a power play early in the second period, and the Jets were able to score a shorthanded goal. And that just completely reversed the momentum of the entire game. Uh, the score stayed tied, or stayed at 2-1 until the third period, but then the Jets exploded for two more goals to take a 3-2 lead. The Blackhawks tried to, you know, make make a push to tie the score, but they could never get it done, and uh, the Jets would end up scoring two empty net goals to make it a 5-2 final, and I'll just ask you real quick, Michael, but this is was really a gut punch. I mean, this is about as bad a loss as you could have at that point. Yeah, it was really tough, especially considering how well they played in the first period. They came out just, you know, ready to play. They they had intensity. They were playing smart. They were, you know, I wouldn't say playing physical, but at least not backing down, winning some puck battles, playing strong enough along the boards. And yeah, they built that 2-0 lead and everything seemed to be going right. And then <laughs> after that, everything seemed to go wrong. And it was it was a really difficult loss to, to kind of grapple with given the significance of the game and... You know, even even as the score got away from them in the third, it, it's not like that they were playing poorly. Um, it was just, you know, pucks weren't going their way. A couple of tough calls. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the, the power play was the one aspect that really let them down. But other than that, the rest of the facets of their game seemed fine. Um, and, yeah, just... It was tough, um, but it didn't. It didn't feel like the end of the world, um, you know. Given that they were still going to have a couple of games coming up against important imp- uh, opponents, and and you know that the Hawks had played pretty well, and you, and you felt like if they could continue playing like that, they'd still be in pretty good shape. But yeah, 
And so after it, they had a day off on Monday and then uh, played the Oilers on Tuesday, and they did catch a bit of a break as uh, Connor McDavid was injured, and I think he's out for two or three weeks. So uh, Edmonton's best uh, scorer wasn't in the uh, lineup, but unfortunately the rest of the Oilers forwards were playing, but uh, the Oilers scored uh, quickly to begin the um, game. Took a one nothing lead. But then the Blackhawks came right back and scored a couple goals, including a shorthanded goal of their own. And a very nice um, play from Ryan Carpenter pass across to Jonathan Taves and scored a goal to make it 2-1 to one, uh, Blackhawks. But then Oilers scored on a power play and they tied the score too. Uh, we went to the second period and Adam Boquist had a nice... Two on one with Kane and uh, scored a goal and I think it was Kane. I'm pretty sure in that, but he set up Boquist who uh, drove to the net and was able to score a goal and it was three to two Blackhawks. But again, they had the lead again in this game, but they could not hold on to it and the Oilers scored two goals to take a four to three lead and the Blackhawks made a valiant push at the end, but they just couldn't score, and the Oilers added an empty net goal to make it a 5-3 to final, but again, like with the game before, not a game they played that badly, it just, they just couldn't hold the lead. Yep, yeah, just uh, another solid effort, but just one of those games where it doesn't go your way, and unfortunately, we've just had a string of these in a row coming at the most inopportune time. Uh, I didn't have much of an issue with the effort level or anything like that. The The Hawks felt, it felt like the Hawks were ready to play. They matched the Oilers' intensity for the most part. And, you know, for a, a, a tough road sh- swing, it's, it's one of those things where you, you just, you want them to come out and play with energy play a full three periods and it, it it kind of felt like they did but you know like you said the results just didn't didn't happen yep and now the next night on wednesday this is the night we're recording this the next day after this game um you know this is a it's i can't say that you dominated a game you lost three to nothing but it was like the black Eyes dominated this game because they, yeah. they lost three to nothing. Because they came out the first period, they were all over the the Canucks. Of course, this was um the Sedin twins got their numbers retired, so that was a big hoopla before the game. But the Blackhawks came out flying. At one point, I think they were out shooting the Canucks like fourteen to nothing. At one point in this first period, it was an onslaught, but. Unfortunately for the Blackhawks, uh, Jacob Markstrom, the Canucks goalie, was absolutely on top of his game and just played great. And he was stopping everything the Blackhawks threw at him. But the Blackhawks thought they might have scored late in the period. There was a play at the net. Um, Saad kind of crashed the net. There was a rebound. He put it in. And they, you know, ruled goaltender interference. And the Blackhawks had a chance to challenge the play or not challenge the play. And they decided to challenge it. 
which of course is always a risk, because if you don't win the challenge, it's a minor penalty against you, and the Canucks have a very good power play. So it was a risk. They went for it. The review found that they, they was not a goal. They lost the challenge, and there is a power play for the Canucks, and sure enough, Bo Horvath was able to score in the power play to give the Canucks a one nothing lead. And the Black Eyes still, after this point, still playing great, getting tons of shots, generating tons of chances, but again, Markstrom just wouldn't let any of them in. The Canucks added another goal in the second period, and the Black Eyes were just throwing all they had at them through the third period, and it was just, they had 49 shots on goal. Markstrom stopped them all, and it was another loss, and, at, you know, it was three games, all played well, but no points, and it, it just killed them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first 10 minutes of the game, the Blackhawks, as you said, were just absolutely dominating, and I personally, it, it, you know, it, the way the game turned out, it, it, it seemed like, you know, as you said, Markstrom was just phenomenal. But I actually thought the first 10 minutes of the game, he was extremely vulnerable. I did not like the way that he was playing at the beginning of the game. He lost track of several pucks. The Blackhawks had three, four, maybe even five just absolutely prime opportunities uh, in the first 10, 12 minutes of that game where Markstrom gave them half of a net or he went down early and they had the top corners to shoot at and the Hawks forwards either shot it wide or they shot it directly into his chest. Um, I really felt like the Blackhawks blew a few prime, prime opportunities and you worried it was going to come back to haunt them. And you could tell that they were a little frustrated. And then, you know, when that goal-no-goal decision came up, I was extremely disappointed in the decision to challenge that play. I thought it was a very clear instance where they were. there was no way they were going to overturn that. And with the way that the Blackhawks were dominating the game, I saw no reason to gift the opposing team a power play to get them back in it. And for the first minute and 45 of that power uh, of that penalty kill, it almost looked like the Hawks were going to be able to get away with it. They were the penalty kill was playing really well. And then all of a sudden just on a, a fairly nondescript play, the, the the puck went down low and Oli Mata, I don't know what he was doing, he left he left his man, broke his coverage, the rotation didn't happen, and just left the guy open, wide open in front, and just that one second, uh, you know, just really doomed the Blackhawks, and, you know, they, they in the game kind of, like, each period kind of went like that, where the Blackhawks were dominating, they were doing everything right. But after like that first 10 minutes, then is when uh, it felt like Markstrom finally settled in. And from that point on, he was fantastic. I uh, just, he was stealing a couple of goals away from the Blackhawks with the way he was playing. Um, but yeah, the Blackhawks continued to dominate the possession and the shot totals. Um, but just every once in a while, 
there'd be one breakdown and the Canucks buried every one of their golden opportunities. They, they had very few chances in, in total in the game and probably only like maybe five quality scoring chances. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they managed to bury the, the ones that they got and where it was the complete opposite with the Blackhawks. They had five or six within the first eight or nine minutes couldn't get any of them to uh, they blew all those opportunities and then after that they continued to get good scoring opportunities but Markstrom was able to uh, repel those um, and yeah just uh, so I was really disappointed with um, Colleton's decision on the on the uh, decision to, to, to review the goal but beyond that, yeah, you know, again, can't fault the effort. Uh, they did a lot of things right, but, um, yeah, just didn't go their way. And those three games against three important opponents let all those points slip away. Two of the games they had leads, couldn't hold them. Just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be a more disappointing out, outcome um, yeah, and I guess we should say it's not they're not like toast, but that's going to be very hard to recover from. Yeah, playoff I mean, For all intents and purposes, it, it buried them about five and a half feet <laughs> under um, these mm-hmm. next two games in Calgary and in Winnipeg this weekend will will kind of be the determining factor because then after that you're, you're you're heading up to the trade deadline and if the hawks basically don't win both of these games that decision is going to be made for them in that the, the the hawks will basically the management will have basically no choice but to sell off pieces and you know that'll be that i i can't see them hanging in the race uh, you know, after you trade a goaltender or Eric Gustafson or or potentially even more than that. So, now I've yeah. been kind of kicking over something in my mind a little bit, and I'll get rid of by you. Because, um, do you think there's a little bit of showcasing maybe a Corey Crawford that he's been getting more starts than Leonard? You just think that's a feel thing? I, I, I think it's actually a little of both. I do feel like Crawford has been playing better as the season has progressed. And we've seen a couple more instances of Leonard being okay-ish. I mean, the the Edmonton game that he played, I I didn't think Leonard was particularly good. Um, He was really having difficulty with his rebound controls. Um, And I I think that, as much as anything, uh, resulted in in the Hawks' loss. I, I really don't blame that on that loss on defensive breakdowns. Whereas in the Vancouver game, you know, I mentioned the goalie Mata play, and there was a couple other instances of questionable decisions um, where the rotations didn't happen quite as well, and it led to breakdowns. But um, the Edmonton game, I thought, was more more on the shoulders of Leonard. But yeah, I, I do think there's a little bit of. Uh, I don't know if it would be a directive. Um, I don't. I don't think that the front office would say, "Hey, please showcase Crawford." But I, I think it's at least a side benefit in that 
if they are going to move a goalie, I think they would prefer to move Crawford and him taking on a little bigger role. And despite the fact that the wins haven't necessarily been coming, he's he's played pretty well. And so that, that certainly won't hurt his trade value, I don't think. But, you know, we'll see. He, he has the no-movement clause. He can kind of dictate mm-hmm. a little bit. But, uh, you know, obviously if, if the Hawks fall out of it, I, I think there's a, a decent chance that Crawford would consider waiving his um, no trade or at least you know, allowing yeah, if he, if, a trade to a couple of the, destinations sort of thing. Yeah, if, if the playoffs were on the table for the other team, like if they were going to make the playoffs, I think he'd be the kind of guy that would want, because we've seen how well he plays in the playoffs, that right. he'd be the kind of guy that would jump at that chance. Yeah, I think, well, and it, it might depend on the situation. I mean, obviously he's got his family here, and I, I don't know that it would necessarily be the thing where he would agree to a trade you know, to a team that was on the bubble for the playoffs, I, I think he would be more somebody who'd be much more comfortable knowing if he's going to make that move, it's going to be for a team that he thinks actually has a, a pretty good Stanley Cup opportunity. And I imagine there's probably also a, you know, um, uh, locations that he might... Um, you know, not uh, prefer. You know, I, I, you know, something. You know, Vancouver obviously isn't looking for a goalie, but um, you know, something like that where he may not want to be, you know, all the way on the West Coast or anything when his family's in the in, in Chicago or whatever. So, uh, you know, just just uh, considerations like that. But I, I I do imagine, like I said, if if, if this weekend doesn't go well. I, they at least have to have that discussion with him, and I'm, I'm sure there are teams that would be interested, and then it would just be a matter of, uh, to move him, I think the Hawks would probably uh, need to to retain half of his salary um, just to make a, a, a trade palatable for most teams. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, that's it, It's definitely the most intriguing deadline decision that they that they're going to have is what do they do with Crawford and or Leonard? Um, so we'll see. So I don't want to have, I don't want to talk about this, but we have no choice. Uh, this power play. I mean, I don't know what else we can really say about it. It's just horrible. Well, yeah. I mean the, the Winnipeg game, especially that, that was really the, the the tipping point for them and you know they came out in the Edmonton game in the first they they'd done some practicing they switched some things up and at first it didn't seem like it was doing much but um, I felt like late in that game they got a, a power play opportunity and they started generating chances they were um, much more willing to to shoot the puck um, they reconfigured the the personnel and it, it seemed to make a bit of a difference and then in the Vancouver game I, honestly I didn't think the power play was was doing that poorly um they they got opportunities they were really feeding Kubalik in particular um trying to line him up for one timers and uh, Kubalik did have a, a 
couple of opportunities. Um, Kirby Dock had, I, I'm, I'm almost positive it was on the power play where, it, well, it might have been five on five, but he had the one opportunity where he got the puck in front of the net, went backhand, forehand, had Markstrom down, had the entire top corner on his forehand, and for whatever reason decided to go back to his backhand and just blew a, a, a golden opportunity. Um, so, that, you know, there were some missed opportunities on the power play, but they were at least generating chances. I'm not a big fan of the Zach Smith decision to put him as the guy out yeah. in front. Um, I was going to ask that. But, you know, it, it's not like he played poorly in it, but, um, you know, then he obviously went out halfway through the game, uh, and I and then I think they they doubled down on the stupidity of putting Ryan Carpenter in front. I, I don't know. What, yes. I don't know what that's about. Um, well, that's the one thing I will say that I did that you mentioned a little bit. Which the one thing on the power play which I did like is that they they moved Kane and like Kane was always on the um, on the left side, the yeah. right yeah the side that we were looking you know yep. right side on the screen but left side for them. But um, and they moved him to the other side and Kubalik to his like you know. His strong one-timer spot. Yep. And it did seem like it worked a little better than Debrinket and Kane being on the opposite sides. Yeah. I mean, it was a switch up. Um, you know, typically what they had been doing was having Kane on the right side with Bolquist and Debrinket being right-hand shots lined up for a one-timer. But Debrinket being snake-bitten and Bolquist uh, being a little gun shy i think um on the power play of late uh it just it wasn't working very well and so you know the switch up put kane on the opposite side and put him with a couple of left hand shots like gustafson and kubalik and those two guys were not hesitating to shoot they were um you know drifting at basically any any opportunity that they had and that was at least an improvement. Um, you know, obviously Gustafson may not be here for very much longer, so we'll we'll see if this uh, lineup configuration holds for very much longer. But yeah, um, I, I, baby steps. I, they they were at least possessing it. They were at least shooting the puck, moving moving their feet a little more, uh, getting a you know Smith was at least putting himself in front. Um, I thought there was one opportunity where the puck came to him and he wasn't able to get his stick on it. Um, I, I would prefer to see Saad be given that opportunity um, rather than Smith and or Carpenter, but we'll, you know, we'll see. Um, the, the net front guy isn't necessarily the most important aspect of it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really more how is Kane and uh, whoever the defenseman is and whoever that shooter is, whether it be Kubelik or Dabrinkit. And, it, you know, as of as of right now, those pucks aren't going in, but at least they're generating something now. So it's possible that they can at least break through, I think, at this point. Well, there's, I'll ask one more thing then, because it's just been Dabrinkit. What is, you just, I don't, he, it's you know, just it's getting one of those be, years. Yeah, it's just not working. It ain't working. He went, he, I, yeah. 
Because I was going to say, he's on pace for, I believe I read today he's on pace for 19 goals. Obviously, he scored 41 last year, but yeah. it just he, is it just like he's in between? You don't think it's an injury or anything? No, I, I mean, he's generating shots. I will say that I feel like he's been a bit more of a perimeter player this year than he was previously. I think his shots are probably coming from a little further away. Um, obviously, Strom missing some time probably hurt a little bit. Um, you know, those two had, had found some chemistry last year, and I, I don't know that Debrinket has been able to get in a groove like that with somebody this year at all. Um, he's 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 switched up line mates quite a bit. Part of that is simply because, you know, Debrinket isn't hasn't been scoring, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not a total loss cause. He is still getting shots. He's just, it, they're just not going in. He's shooting a lot of pucks directly into the goaltender's chest. That stuff happens on occasion. Occasionally, you just have bad years. Um, I'm trying to remember the last guy. I mean, obviously, Brandon Saad a couple of years ago, uh, the, his first year back, kind of had that same issue. Um, Taves had a year like that a couple of years ago. Uh, Hosa had a year, I don't know, it was probably five years ago now, um, where everybody thought he was done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it happens with good players on occasion. And he's just, he's in one of those slumps. At this point, I think it's unlikely to end at any point this year. Um, but at the same time, He's always been a bit of a streaky player, so maybe. Well, he yeah, just I always needs... thought of him like, yeah, I always thought of him as like a sharp. Yeah. Because sharp used to be where he'd be, you wouldn't hear from him for three weeks a month, but it's, this has been longer, of course, with Demerkit this year. But right. when they get hot, then they they just pile up goals. But yeah, tend to come in bunches. Has, but that just doesn't happen. Hasn't happened this year, so yeah, yeah now would be a great time. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if if he wants to to break out of it this weekend, uh, I, I'd be all for that. Well, you know, speaking of this weekend, I guess this would be a good time for you to do a little preview of this pretty much must win set of games for the Blackhawks. Yep, um, the road trip continues. Uh, another back to back set this time Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Saturday night will be in Calgary. Uh, it'll be a 9 o'clock uh, Chicago start. Uh, Flames are, you know, right in that group of teams that we're competing against. This is as big as any of these games. Uh, and Hawks honestly need two points out of it, um, considering where they're at. And then it doesn't get any easier the following night. They travel from Calgary to Winnipeg. Obviously, we just talked about they dropped the the game on last Sunday to Winnipeg, and they're going to be right back in there Sunday night. Uh, 7.30 start at the, to, for that one. And this that's really going to decide the, the Blackhawks' uh, course for the rest of the year because uh, if, they, if they can't get at least three points, and honestly, if they don't get all four, they're going to be in real trouble and I think it probably makes uh, Stan Bowman's decision on just how aggressive he's going to be at the trade deadline selling off pieces. Um, 
after the Winnipeg game. They do have a couple of nights off uh, prior to returning home, finally, where they will take on the Rangers. And that'll be a 7 o'clock Wednesday night start. Uh, obviously, Eastern Conference opponent not as important, but Hawks really can't afford to give away points to anybody at this point. And, you know, and then we, you're at the trade deadline, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, really, it's these next two games. Uh, it's going to be the deciding factor of just how many pieces the Blackhawks are going to move, or if they do take all four. Uh, I, you know, I don't think you'll see the Hawks add anything at the deadline, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe they decide to hold on to the goaltenders or whatever, um, rather than you know just selling off anything that they can. Uh, so we'll see. It's. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. This is until until this we is it. Yeah. this weekend. Yeah, you, you know, it, it, it's really going to decide the course for the rest of the season and whether or not we're going to have any important games after that point, and <laughs> you know whether we can start directing our attention to potential draft picks or you know whatever. <laughs> so you know, uh, worrying about the fate of Bowman and Colleton at that point, I think becomes much more relevant um Mm -hmm. you know just where the blackhawks would you know direction they're going to be taking the rest of the year so yeah this weekend decides all basically do or die yep so yep i guess that's pretty much where we'll end things and just yeah we might when we have our next episode we might be talking about the playoff hopes we might be talking about what the trades were that they made so i guess we'll see Anyway, with that on that note, I am STH85 on Twitter, Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. Yep, and of course you can find the podcast on the Apple iTunes app and just, you know, we'll see what happens. But either way, we'll be here to tell you what happened, what the results are. And as always, go Hawks.